0: Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Porco. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. We're taking a little bit of a break. We're in the middle of a a series called Vision Accomplished, and we've been going through Vision for Your Life uh, and and really focusing and honing in on what has God purposed you to do? What is the work that He has for you to accomplish here on this earth? Uh, We will get back to that series after uh, January, but we're going to take a break and really dive into this idea of wholehearted. I was praying and asking God, you know, what what is the theme that he wanted, um, or or the word, what is the thing that he wanted to speak to us in regards to this time as we're taking this 21 days and setting it aside for God and saying, Lord, what do you have? And and I just, uh, I felt like the Lord just say, you know, go back to where this all started. Um, when I first came out of college, and I was praying and seeking God about this group, uh, Acts two forty two was the passage of Scripture that God um, sort of hit me with to, to say, okay, if you're going to start something here, you're going to start it on the principles in this Scripture, which we're going to get into tonight. And um, and so, if you guys can turn your Bibles to Acts chapter two, I'll give you a little bit of background in before we get to this uh, to the passage, this was the, the moment that the Holy Spirit had fallen on the early church. They were seeking Him. They were waiting in Jerusalem like Jesus had commanded them to do. and tongues of fire and a rushing wind swept uh, the place where they were and when they were seeking God. Um, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. and people from all around the world had come to Jerusalem as they were in Jerusalem, From all around the world, they heard the disciples speaking out the the wonders, the glories of God in their own languages, and they were confused. And then Peter, he comes and he he delivers this message of redemption about Jesus and and tells the history of what Jesus came, and and he preaches this awesome message. 3,000 people come to know Christ at that moment. And, uh, and so then we see this passage of Scripture in, in Acts uh, 2. And so I just want to read it, and it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. are being saved. Can we just pray? Lord, we just invite you to speak to us tonight. God, we, we know that there is a message that you desire to pierce our hearts with, there is something in this word that you want to speak to each and every one of us. Maybe a single aspect, many, maybe many aspects, but God, we just want to be sensitive to listen right now. To, to hear your word and let it pierce our heart and to apply it to our life. To walk out of this place and do something with what you want to speak to us tonight. And so, Lord, I just ask for just a spirit of surrender in the room. Father, that as you speak, we would listen, we'd be obedient. And Lord, that as we just dive into this idea of being wholehearted, Lord, I pray that it would minister, it would encourage us, it would challenge us in areas of our life to to reach out to you and, and to trust you. And so, Holy Spirit, we give you tonight. We surrender it into your hands, and we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk about a few things um, tonight, but when we look at this idea of wholehearted, I actually want to start backwards. All right? I want to start at the, at the end result. Right? When you see this, this passage of Scripture, you actually see the results of a, a life that is lived wholehearted. And so when you look at this, I just want you to, to take a peek uh, back at verse 43, and we'll start there. When you look at verse thirty-three, the first thing that it says is a deep sense of awe came over the the early church. That and this this idea of awe, this deep sense of awe, it was actually like think of it as like a reverent fear, in the sense that they were seeing God doing such incredible things that they were actually it actually filled them with like a, a fear. Uh, Think about it this way, uh, about seeing something happen, and it would almost be like, man, with God, almost there's nothing that is impossible. And there was this reverence that began to develop within this community out of respect, out of seeing the power of God manifest, seeing God's hand move and knowing that nothing was impossible for him. And so they got to this place of, of reverence before God. To say, wow, no matter what, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what he's facing, no matter what she's facing, we serve a God that does impossible things. We serve a God that, that shows us daily that there is nothing that can stop him. And there was this reverence that developed in their life. The second thing was signs and wonders. The scripture says this, it says that they, uh, as they devoted, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I, I like to look at words and, and just kind of, okay, what does that mean? Uh, what's the difference between a wonder? What's the difference between a sign? Uh, so I looked at the word wonder, and it's pretty cut and dry. It's just a miracle performed by anybody. That's literally the definition. It's miracle performed by anyone. That was it. I was like, okay, that's left much to be desired. I was expecting more, but wonder, right? It's a miracle. But then I looked at the word sign and I was, it was much better. I was like, wow, I was much more satisfied with the answer for signs. When you look at, at the, uh, the word sign, it refers to an unusual occurrence that transcends the common course of nature. An unusual occurrence that transcends the common course of nature, that you have to think as they wholeheartedly gave themselves over to the Lord, as they served him with everything, they began to see signs and wonders. They began to see things happen that were beyond what is naturally possible. Can I tell you that as you begin to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, you will see things happen in your life that are impossible in a natural standpoint. From a natural standpoint there will be people that look at your life and say how is it going the way that it's going because that is literally impossible because we serve a God who does impossible things you believe that that we serve a God who does impossible things that's why you don't want to be a realist you don't want you don't want well you know that's great I'm glad you're, you're you're wanting that but uh you know for me I'm I'm a little bit more realistic. No, you don't have to be realistic. Why? Because you serve a God who does unrealistic things. You serve a God who could stare at death and say, Hey, get up and walk. You serve a God who can speak to a blind person that can rub some mud in their eye and then all of a sudden, boom, they can see. You serve a God who looks at natural things and natural things bow their knee to a supernatural God. You serve a God who transcends the natural. And this is what I'm saying. As you commit to God, as you give yourself wholeheartedly to Him, you begin to operate in the supernatural. Why? Because your heart is beginning to align with God's. That as you surrender and He has all of you, then it means that you can operate in the measure of grace that he desires for you to, It's an incredible thing when you think about that. Signs and wonders. And this is, I love this. It's like a side caveat of this word signs. That, yes, it is something that is uncommon and it transcends natural, uh, the common course of nature. But it says this, it speaks of miracles and wonders by which God authenticates the person that is sent by him. Get this, by, by which he proves, or rather this, it's by which a person proves that the cause that they are pleading is God's. So the idea behind this is that the sign is proof that God is behind you. The sign is, is proof to people in your life that you have the backing of the Holy Spirit, that who you're working for is the Lord. And this is what I love in Mark sixteen twenty. It says that signs and wonders accompany the preaching of the Word of God. That, that as we live our lives as believers, that we should be expecting supernatural things to happen in our lives. There's an expectation that should result from a wholehearted life. Another thing that we see is generosity. Verses 44 and 45 talks about how the church, they shared everything that they had. They sold property and possessions. They shared that money with people that were in need. Let me tell you, when you surrender to the Lord and you give God lordship in every area of your life, it produces a generous heart. Why? Because material possessions, you recognize material possessions are given to us by God, not only because he desires to bless us, but he desires for us to be A blessing to others and that you can imagine this this church that they are so in love with the lord they are so in love with the community around them that now they are driven to meet the needs of the people that are around them and that i i think to me this is the most beautiful picture of the church of jesus christ that they were operating in not only unity but in generosity that you could tell their heart was for their brothers and sisters. And we're, we're gonna dive in this in a second, but another thing that we see here is a lifestyle of worship. Look at verse 46. They worship together at the temple each day. You know, some people um, you know, some people are cool with just like the one, I'll go to church, you know, get my Sunday morning thing on, I'll get my nice shoes on, I'll go hour long service do my thing and then I got the rest of the weekend it's good and I'll see Jesus next Sunday. You know, like some people are cool with that. Like there are some these guys were meeting every day. They were getting together to meet in the temple of the Lord. That they they were united in their worship of God. That, that their encounter, their wholeheartedness led to a lifestyle of worship. That it wasn't just about a, a, a Sunday morning encounter. It wasn't about a one-time-a-week encounter. A two, it was just, get me in the presence of God with my, my family and my friends. Like, I need to be in His presence with people that are walking in life with me. They were driven by a lifestyle of worship. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals together. And this is the last thing, favor. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Like, wow, the favor of God was on them. And so I look at this, and I see, wow, like, signs and wonders, a lifestyle of worship, generosity, deep sense of awe, favor. Like, these are all things that I want to see in my life. I mean, how many feel the same way? Like, you want to see God moving in a way that that you just read in this passage of Scripture. Like, to you, that's, yes, God, that can we just raise our hand? I just want to see. Who wants that kind of, you, I, I, you'd be crazy not to. You'd be crazy not to want to see God's hand moving that way. And so that's the result of a wholehearted life. As you see the favor of God, your heart becomes generous towards other people. That that your desire to worship God, it just overtakes every area of your life. That you'll see God's hand in, in signs and wonders. You'll see him come upon you in power. And so I want to dive in just for a bit on what does it mean to be wholehearted because we're going to take the next, and just so you guys know, we're we're going to start our fast 21 days. It'll go from the 10th of January to the 31st, right? So we are starting next Friday will be day one of our 21-day fast, okay? And, and why, why am I giving you a week? Because fasting takes preparation man you're like oh yo, you gotta like you gotta really like work your your spirit and your mind and your like it's so that's one reason too is to plan all right um planning is is key you need to seek the lord this week about what kind of fast that that he desires for you not the time don't do this and we'll talk about it at the end but I'm just saying don't just do the thing that's easy don't do the thing that's comfortable just do the thing that you feel the lord is is challenging you to do be obedient to the Lord. And we'll dive, we'll dive in there in a second. But I'm saying this, that we are about to step into a season of prayer and fasting before God. And so we are going to be saying, God, there is, there is going to be a greater measure of myself that I want to lay down before you. A greater level of surrender that I desire to, to just, you know, give it all. And if there's any area in my life that I haven't, reveal it to me, show me. This is a period of time this month that we are going to be seeking God's face in ways that we can become more wholehearted. So I want to define this. I want to flesh this out. What does it mean to be wholehearted? When you look at verse 42, and as I felt the Lord kind of speak to me, go back to the beginning, uh, uh, I began to read, this passage, and I just read this. I read all the believers devoted themselves. And you ever read the Bible, and, you know, this word is highlighted in yellow. It is different than the white letters surrounding it. Come on. So there are times that when I read the Bible, I go through, and it is it's as if the Holy Spirit just kind of like let me just let me just color this a different. That guy right there, like this is how it was. Like I I was reading and it was just like a smack in the face. Like they devoted themselves. I didn't even get to anything else. It was just like the Holy Spirit just check that word out. That's what he like. That's what it was. It was just like look look at that. And and I felt like. I felt like the Lord was saying, I'm calling you to a deeper level of devotion, that I am calling, and I feel this so strongly in my spirit even now, that God is calling each and every one of you to a deeper level of of devotion. Some of you believe that you have a deep level of devotion to the Lord. There are times, let me tell you, as I was coming in, you know, you're coming into scripture and, God, I'm a pastor. i got a pretty good level of devotion to you. That God, God hit me so hard and said, there is a deeper level of devotion that you have yet to step into in my spirit. And I feel like that is the same message that he's speaking to you tonight, that there is a deeper level of devotion of wholeheartedness that god is requiring from his church and if there's one thing that the enemy has been trying specifically in our age range the one thing that the enemy has been trying to keep the generation i believe it because i believe that it is going to be the millennials that that flip the the complete makeup of the church and that the Holy Spirit is actually going to use the millennial generation to to awaken a, th- a third great revival in the church. I believe it's going to happen in the millennial like age bracket, and I feel that's something that I've just felt God put in my spirit. Gen Xers too, Gen Xers too, and so I I feel like what what the enemy has been doing and working overtime in is is trying to keep. Those two, those two generations from devoting themselves. And that's, there's, this is the generation of busyness. This is the generation of distraction where there is something, there is always something that can take your attention away from the things that you know you should be giving the attention to. Always. You don't need to look hard for a distraction. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is seeking devotion but the but the enemy is seeking distraction if he can distract you then he can keep you from getting to the place of devotion that the holy spirit desires for you to enter into and so when we look at devotion all the believers all everyone they devoted themselves that word means to be steadfastly attentive unto to give unremitting care or attention to a thing. To give constant attention to something. And I, I think about that. We are really good. I mean, from, from a, like a casual Christian perspective, many believers are very good at giving attention to the kingdom of God. But we are not good at give, giving steadfast attention to the kingdom of God. When I think of steadfast attention, I think of like a like a focus that cannot be broken. Yeah, have you have you have you ever had steadfast attention on something? Like I I think about what I'm a guy, right? So. I'm pretty good at steadfast attention, like with one thing. I can't do multiple things. My wife is amazing. She can do like 40 things at once and still be like there'll be times where, where I'm having a or I'm talking to her and, and I'll be like, hey, what did I just say? Word for word. She's like on the phone with somebody. I'll say something. She's talking to Judah and she's also cooking. And I'll be like, what did I just say? And she'll word for word. I'm like, dang it! How do you do that? Like, you know, I'm I'm like I'm texting someone, and like she's talking, and Judah's saying something, and and it's and then like once I'm done, it's like, <laughs> did you hear what I said? Nope. Nope. Didn't hear a word. Like I, so that's just how I am. So for me, like I can only, like I can only give like attention to like whatever's in my hand. Um, so I, I, I can't, I'm not good. Like I don't get distracted, which is great, but I'm, I also can't do more than one thing at a time, which is not great. So, but you have to think about what holds your steadfast attention. Like my wife, you know, once she's, she's a baker so, you know, she's, she gets, you know, the timer and, this and everything. You know, there's things that need to be cooked or baked. I'm not a baker or a cook or anything like that. So, obviously, you can tell. But she'll do things so she knows exactly how much time needs. And, and so she watches it. Because you can't miss it. It can be seconds and it's burnt. You know, so she's great with that kind of stuff. Unremitting attention to a thing. Can I just paint a picture for you that when you get up in the morning, the first thing that you think about is thank you, Holy Spirit, for today. I thank you that you've given me a new day. I want to know what it is that you have for me to accomplish this day. And then when you get into the shower, you're saying, God, I thank you that I have this water. I am thank you that I'm able to clean my, that your mind is always fixed upon the Lord, that everything that you do, you see through the lens of Jesus Christ. That as you go to work, as you're driving there, that you're thinking about, the things of the Lord. You're thinking about how he desires. There's there's a relationship here that is continual. It is constant. That everything that you do, everything that you speak, every thought that you think, the idea is to be so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. You know, and in their seasons, You'll, you'll notice it. Anytime that we hit prayer and fasting, I felt bad. I went out to breakfast with somebody after prayer and fasting and Star Wars something or other came out, and uh, we were talking about it, and I don't know how, but man, after after a season where you're diving in, and you just get overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit somehow, I don't know why, it just gets back to Jesus. Everything, you, so we're talking about Star Wars, and then all of a sudden, it's like two seconds later, it's like, yeah, the Holy Spirit is so good. I'm like, how did we get here? We started with like, I don't know. I don't even remember what movie it was. But, I, but uh, I'm like, how did we get to... G-? Sometimes when it gets in you, it just, it just comes out. And when you, when you are in a place of wholehearted surrender, you just can't help but see things through the lens of Jesus. That when you have a- encounters with family members that are difficult, that a grace comes upon you, that you just see them with the lens of Jesus. That when you're encountering co-workers, you see them through the lens of Jesus. When you're out shopping and you're just doing your own thing and you just need to pick up some milk, you see a person and your heart just breaks for them because you see them through the lens of Jesus. That God is trying to bring us to a place where our heart is just so connected with him, wholehearted. That everything that we do is for his glory. Everything we do is in Christ's authority. Everything that we do is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we point people to Jesus. So what are we wholehearted about? What are we wholehearted about? When we look at this verse, I finally got past that, you know, the first word, the first like four words. And uh, so they devoted themselves, right? They devoted themselves, wholeheartedness, constant, steadfast attention to three things. The first, the word of God. It says the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You have to realize, what did Jesus say in Matthew 28 when when he gathered his disciples together? What did he say? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey what? all that i have commanded you so what happens when we when we we see that what do we see here that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the apostles were given the job their responsibility from jesus himself was to go make disciples and teach them teach them what i have commanded you well what what did he command them The gospels, when you look at the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus that we have in this work, that we can read about the parables that Jesus spoke, that we can discern things from Jesus's mouth, accounted by the disciples, what were they teaching them? They were teaching them the word of God. And they were also connecting Old Testament and saying, hey, this is how the Old Testament points to Jesus. This is what the disciples did when you look at even Stephen when he was martyred in Acts chapter 7. He gives a message and he preaches this beautiful message bridging the gap between the Old Testament all the way pointing to Christ. And this is, this is the message that they were communicating to the people of God. It was the Word of God. And the people were so hungry to learn what Jesus taught. Being taught by the, the apostles just to know they were so hungry. They were constantly looking to, to learn what was the heart of Jesus. They were constantly looking to just learn how do I walk in, in the will of Jesus, in the fullness of Christ. There was a hunger that developed within them for the Word of God. And so the apostles taught them the Word of God. When you give steadfast attention to the Word of God, to learning and growing in the Word of God in your life, you will see what the early church saw, what we talked about at the very beginning. You will see God begin to use you in signs and wonders. You will see God bring you to a place of generosity where your heart is set towards other people, that you have a genuine care and love for those people, that you'll see. A lifestyle of worship begin to develop, and you, you'll see God's hand of favor in your life. But it starts when you devote yourselves to the Word of God. This is a, this will change your life. This will really, this will really change your life. More than reading it, actually doing it. That'll change your life. There's a lot of people who can read it and then do nothing. James says, Man, it's like you look at yourself in a mirror, you completely forget. You turn around and you just forget what you look like and walk away. It, this is who you are. God reveals who you are through this book. If you read it and walk away and don't do it, then you, you are forgetting who you are. You're forgetting what you look like. You need to know the word to be able to know who you, who you are. Another thing that we see here is they devoted themselves to community. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. I love this word fellowship. It's a great word. This word actually means the share which a person has in anything. How many does anybody do like stocks and stuff in here? Okay. all right just okay so just a few of us. all right I like I, I like you know the stock market I, I, I occasionally will will um, purchase stocks and sell them. Um, this was this made a huge connection for me as I was trading one day and and I realized that I just bought a share of something, right? Think about that, that you just, you, when you buy into a stock, you buy what, what is called a share. It's a portion of that company. You buy a share of that company. Now I have a share throughout a company, Google. I have a share in Google, right? Now what happens? Now, I sort of am checking out, okay, is it doing well? I, I, there's a desire to care about this stock because I have a share in it. Think about fellowship in that way. That when the stock goes up, I rejoice. When the stock goes down, oh man, I'm sad. I, I am sharing in the success and the failure of that stock now applied to fellowship. It is the share that you have in your brothers and sisters in Christ. How much do you invest into the people around you? Like, look around this room. How much do you invest even into people in this room? That you would say, I have a share in their life. That I have participate, I've participated in their life. That I've invested in them. And when they succeed, I rejoice. When they struggle, I pray hard because I care. Because I want to see things go well for them. Because I love them. Because I care about them. Because I have fellowship with them. Because I have a share in their life. That I've invested. And I care. Sharing together in meals. This is actually pretty interesting. Like meals in first century were, were like this really beautiful moment that they would actually celebrate a covenant between two parties. And so if you look in, in Exodus 24, Moses and the elders actually shared a meal in the presence of God after they were given the law. Like this, this sitting down and having a meal was, was symbolic of two parties coming together in, in, in covenant. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. Like the idea of the relationship that God uh, has knitted the, the body of Christ together. We're the body of Christ. And he knits us together. And, and so this, this shared meal gives this picture. Think about a, a, even a wedding, right? That we still do this today. People get married. We eat some food, except for, you know, they ate food for like weeks, um, which would be awesome. We should try to start that back up. That'd be amazing. Yeah, after the fast, yes, after the fast. So sometimes I think we overlook the importance of community in the favor of God, though. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? Like, there's a, there's a very popular thought that if I can just get myself individually right with the Lord, um, then everything's going to work. And I'm going to see the fullness of what God has for me. Uh, You know, if I can just hit my knees and pray every day, get in the Word, develop, you know, that lifestyle of worship that we just talked about, I just really get myself connected with the Lord. But it's funny because, you know, especially even with the Bible, in 1 John, you realize John, he's communicating and saying, look, how can you get this right? How can you love God who you don't see if you can't love people that you can see? How can you get this right if you don't get this right? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. And there's a thought in in Jewish culture that how you love people is actually how you love God. And that's biblical, right? What you've done to the least of these. Jesus told a parable about that. What you've done to the least of these. What did he say? You did to me. How you loved them is how you loved me. And, And when you think about the idea of community You will not walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You won't walk in that unless you have community. Wow. Did that blow your mind like it blew my mind? Like the fact that if you do not depend and lean on brothers and sisters in Christ, you can't walk in the fullness of God. Even Paul says we're the body of Christ, that each of us play a part. How can you, as a a stinking eyeball, just kind of bounce around on the floor all by yourself? You're not going to be effective. You cannot walk in the fullness of God unless you are paired up with the body of Christ. And there are so many people trying to do their walk with God in isolation. They think that they can actually succeed in isolation. But you realize that the devil, the Bible says in in 1 Peter, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he could devour. What does a lion do? It cuts off, it isolates the weakest member of a herd, and then it tears it to pieces. That you cannot thrive in isolation as a believer in Christ. You are not designed to be in isolation. You are designed to be in community. And you will not ever be able to walk in what God has for you until you pair up with people and surround yourself with community. This is something we have to grow in as a group if it's just Friday and you see somebody on Friday, man, how's it going, man? Uh, Jeff? oh yeah, like you don't you don't even know people's name. Like I would challenge, be put yourself out there. It's hard meeting new people; it is, and there is a lot of new faces in this group. But can I tell you, go out of your way to make connection with people you never know the relationship that you can start just going out putting yourself out there and saying hey how's it going taking an interest in people community it's essential and then the last thing is prayer they devoted themselves to prayer and this is this is what I love there's this quote by smith wigglesworth who was like the man like this guy he did some crazy things and look you know people people like him because he would he would, like, punch somebody in the face, and they would get, like, healed of, like, blindness. Like, oh, you're blind? Swack! And just, like, knock you. And then, like, the guy would be like, oh, I I can see, <laughs> you know? And They'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Um, there's actually a record that he went into a funeral parlor, took the guy out, out of the, uh, the casket, and slammed him up, uh, up against the wall seven or eight times, uh, and then the two of them went out walking together. Um, so this is these are the some crazy yeah you should look up Smith Wigglesworth look it up it's some crazy stuff some crazy stuff and so somebody asked him a question um, they asked him how how long do you pray you know the things that you do how long do you pray you've got I mean you've got to be like one of those like four hours in the morning kind of guys like you wake up at four just so you can pray till eight and then have some breakfast. Like, you strike me as that kind of guy. Uh, and he said something that was awesome. He just said, uh, you know, I, d- I don't really often spend more than a half hour in prayer. But I'll tell you what, I never go more than a half hour without praying. I thought that's amazing. That sometimes we we conjure up this this, you know, deep, like, moment, this experience that we can have, you know, with God. But the power is in the constance. The power is in the steadfastness. That's what wholehearted means steadfast attention to a thing, right? You're, God desires to ve- develop an intimacy with you that you're just, you guys just talk no matter what. You have a moment, hey, God, give me wisdom here. Lord, help me love this person. God, you know, protect me as I drive. You know, as I'm praying, I'm praying about my, I'm driving rather, I'm praying about my family, I'm praying about things at the church, I'm I'm praying about just even, Lord, help me know you, connect me with your heart. You know, any opportunity that there, you know, there's a chance you you connect and you take that moment. It's a lifestyle of prayer. And we could do, we could get into prayer so much more, but I want to give some time to speaking to fasting. Um, But I just want to say these are three critical elements in your life that God will be challenging you in over the next 21 days. And even this week as well. You can lump that into it as well. So over the next month, God is going to be speaking to us in ways and trying to pull us to a deeper level of surrender.